Hey, you guys. Welcome to People Keep Dying, podcast where we talk about how people keep dying. We're your hosts, Stephanie and Angela. We're just a bunch of nobodies trying to be somebodies. Yeah, we're <laughs> amateurs. We're just a bunch of amateurs. Uh, we are not professionals in any sort of way. We are not super knowledgeable. That's no. a word, right? Not knowledge. We're not super knowledge. We will basically just be reading you Wikipedia pages and other information that we found on the internet and maybe possibly throw in a couple personal antidotes. Little personal antidotes and tidbits. Yes. I should just preface all of this that I'm not a professional. I'm not a historian. I don't know anything. I just saw this on a meme. It interested me. I wanted to learn a little bit more. And this is my story. So today I'll be talking with you about the Holodomor, which is one of the least known but more atrocious tragedies that happened between World War One and World War Two. So the Holodomor, which translates from Ukrainian as to kill by hunger or death by hunger, was a man-made famine in the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic in 1932 and 1933. It's estimated that 2.5 to 7.5 million Ukrainians were starved to death, while others estimate that over 10 million were killed during this time. It was part of a wider Soviet famine caused by Joseph Stalin's first five-year plan, which affected the major grain-producing areas of the country. There's a lot of debate over whether or not this is an actual genocide because some scholars believe that this famine was planned by Joseph Stalin in an attempt to eliminate a Ukrainian independence movement um, after World War I, while others believe that the famine was just poor planning and not a targeted attack or effort, thus disqualifying it as a genocide. Other people call it a natural disaster, and the whole event was denied for a long time because there was like a lot of political bullshit involved. Either way, a ton of people died. Yeah, like, so. apparently the famine had been predicted earlier in the 1930s, but little to no preventative action was taken to alleviate the situation by the Ukrainian government. So, Joseph Stalin, if you don't know, was a shady fucker who became a dictator in the late 1920s and basically really wanted to turn the USSR into a powerhouse, which, uh, I mean, he was pretty successful at it when you kind of, like, look back now. He killed he, more people than Hitler, technically. Uh, yeah, is, like, he killed a lot of people. Yeah, and it's not to say lot. that he wasn't, like, a total piece of shit that he killed was. a lot of people. Yeah. But, I mean, he had a lot of successes with these five-year plans. And, like, Stalin and these five-year plans... Like, I feel like he was, like, born in, like, the wrong generation with, like, the wrong hobbies. You know what I mean? Like, he would have been, like, a really good life coach. Because he made, created, like, five-year plans all the way into the 50s to help, like, boost the USSR into uh, an industrialized... Whoa. He would have been a really good CEO for, like, a big conglomerate, like, billionaire company. Like, yeah, if he, company. if he hadn't have been, like, you know what, I'm just gonna, like... Maybe kill a lot of people. And he was, like, he tortured a lot of people and he was bad. So in total, there were 13 five-year plans that went all the way to the 90s. And Sell himself was making five-year plans all the way to the 1950s. So the first five-year plan was a list of economic goals that Stalin had set for the USSR to improve the Soviet Union's domestic policy. It was mostly centered around rapid industrialization, but also the collectivation of agriculture, where the government took control of farms. His desire was to rid the country of all record of capitalism after uh, World War One, because they were they were not doing really well. No, not a lot no. of people were doing really well after World War One, uh, but they. 
like they got out of capitalism and then Stalin's huge goal was to just like not even have capitalism even be mentioned he he started influencing the media he like really built himself up so he kind of put himself into a place of power in the early 1920s and then he like outmaneuvered and like did a bunch of shady shit to get himself in power once the president died and then from there uh he started running this dictatorship and uh So in 1929, the collectivization policy was enforced where peasants were induced to transfer land and livestock to state-owned farms, and then the peasants uh, would work as day laborers for payment. So basically, Stalin was all like, what we're going to do is we're going to have a whole bunch of like government-run farms, and then we're going to hire you um, to come work for us uh, after we just stole all your shit. And we're going to wrap, but we're going to ration you on, yeah. on, on what we're going to give you. So uh, the poor people clearly were not too happy about this. Uh, and there was also this group of, um, there was a secondary class of citizens that had erupted uh, that came out in 1906, which were a bunch of peasants that turned farmers um, who became independently wealthy during the Stalapin reform because they were like, no, fuck you. We're not going to give you any grain and told Moscow to like go fuck themselves. Yeah. So all these farmers, because they were like, fuck you, we're going to keep our own shit back in like the early uh, 1900s, started getting like really rich in like the early 1920s and like rich in terms of like peasantry life. Mm-hmm. Like they were essentially just sort of like rich, poor people. They weren't. They were upper poor class. Upper lower class. Yeah, they would be like lower middle class technically, I guess, now. Because they weren't like living on the streets. Um, And they were farmers. And people like were still kind of really struggling at that time. But they were becoming independently wealthy. Mm -hmm. So because the government came and like took all the the farms and stuff like that and did that, it, it basically eradicated all of the kulaks. And then, which was the name of the the class the kulak class um which basically everyone looks at like because stalin did that they look at that as the reason why Mm -hmm. and why it was genocide because he was like specifically targeting the people who were like standing up for themselves and saying no to him which is a big thing that stalin like didn't like people who didn't like him and Mm -hmm. he was like we'll just fucking kill you uh, so it goes to the saying that this policy was not very popular among the poor people since it was forced upon them and it led to a lot of revolts and strikes and riots and millions of, uh, millions of farmers refused to cooperate with Stalin's orders and they were basically just shot or exiled to punishment. The first five-year plan also changed the output expected from the Ukrainian farms. So first they came in and they were like, we're going to steal all your shit and we're going to come and be our slaves, essentially. That's mm-hmm. how I look at that. And then they were like, oh, you know what? We're not going to grow this shit anymore. So I know that you've been over here growing your grain and you've been really good at that. But now we're going to get you to do sugar beets and cotton. So these peasants had no idea what the fuck they were doing. And like the administration didn't know what they were doing either because Stalin was just up there fucking every shit up. And so the peasants were spending all their time growing and harvesting these other crops and then their grain wasn't getting harvested. And these countries that were affected by the policy were all like the main grain producing countries in like the USSR. So it either didn't get harvested or like the grain that was getting harvested was being like damaged 
damaged uh, in the processing or in transportation. And yeah, they lost a bunch of their stuff. So in the 1932 harvest, the Soviets were only able to make 4.3 million tons of food comparably to the 7.2 million from the previous year. So because they were uh, only made about half, they drastically cut back the rations in towns during the winter. And by spring of 1933, most of the workers and the people living in the urban areas were facing starvation. During this time, workers were also being shown propaganda um, videos and other agricultural uh, specific propaganda where peasants were being portrayed as counter-revolutionaries and that they were hiding grain and potatoes and uh, the workers, were obviously getting pissed off because they were the ones who were working and they were the ones who were building this new dream. Propaganda fucking works and it's the worst. Uh, Stalin was ruling by with terror um, and in order to eliminate anyone that would oppose him, he had uh, a lot of secret police and encouraged the citizens to spy on each other. And because of this, like millions of people were killed for supposedly stealing and hiding food when they fucking weren't. Uh, or they were sent to the gulag system of forced labor camps uh, but most of them were just like shot like right in front of the street right in mm -hmm. front of their homes yeah. they were just like shot or they were just like left to die because a lot of them started to fucking die the first reports of mass malnutrition and deaths from starvation emerged from two urban areas in the city of uman in january of 1933 uh, that was Venetia and the kiev oblats in mid-January, there were reports of mass difficulties with food because, like, they, there just wasn't any. The urban areas started getting undersupplied through the rationing supply system, mm -hmm. and then the people started getting withdrawn from the rationing program, and then they started dying to the starvation. So basically, they were like, all the workers that work on these government farms, we're going to give you food, like, because we took all your shit, and now we're going to give you little bits. Mm -hmm. But then, obviously, there wasn't enough to give, so they started rationing. And then, like, they were, there was um, a... Uh, the government enforced uh, some rule or something and then people started getting like randomly withdrawn uh, for no reason and it was it was such a mess and people just people were just dying all over the place in february reports started coming in from other areas like the donetsk oblats odessa and Dnipropetrovsk, which however were also suffering from typhus and malaria so there was a lot of like they're not dying from starvation. They're dying from these diseases. And people were like, well, they were probably dying from fucking both. Like, they die from both. Yeah. Like, sure the malaria it. and the typhus was probably being spread a lot faster and harder like because of the malaria. by yeah. the problem. Yeah. Uh, by mid-April, the Kharkiv Oblast reached the top of the most affected list. Survival was a moral and physical struggle. A doctor wrote to her friend in 1933 that she had not yet become a cannibal, but was not sure by the time that the letter had reached her if she would still not be one. Uh, the good people died first. The people who refused to steal and to prostitute themselves died. Those that gave their food to others started to die. Those that refused to eat corpses died. Those that refused to kill their fellow man died. Parents who resisted cannibalism before their children died. And then the Soviet regime was printing posters declaring, like, to eat your own children is a barbarian act. They started arresting people and convicting people of cannibalism. Over 2,500 people were convicted of cannibalism during the time, and thousands of people were convicted of for theft charges. For, for stealing food to survive, they were, like, imprisoning people for yep. 10 years. 
People are getting 10 years for stealing an apple. I just... Didn't you watch Les Mis? Oh, I did. It's, it's so fucking sad. Like, I just, I'm really angry. I get really angry when I think about governments that create a criminalistic environment and then punish the people for becoming criminals. Yeah. Like, what exactly else did you expect? What else do you, oh my gosh, I can't. That's I why can't. it was sort of considered a genocide because it's sort of government... Murders. Well, yes. Yeah. Mass yes. government murders. So by the end of 1933, millions of people had starved to death or had otherwise died unnaturally in the Ukraine and other Soviet republics. And then the Soviet Union was like denying that the famine had even taken place. Authorities all but banned discussion of the famine and Ukrainian historians uh, have gone on record stating that the Soviet government over- ordered them to falsify their findings and depict the famine as an unavoidable natural disaster to absolve the Communist Party and uphold the legacy of Stalin. Like, Stalin had built this cult personality around himself in the Soviet Union, and like, because like cities were being renamed in his honor, the Soviet books were being rewritten to give him a more prominent role. So he's just and... really a cult leader that took over a whole country. Yeah, which I mean. And he starves them properly too, you know, take away proteins and then just. Like when, when you think of like, everyone always talks about like how Hitler, like Hitler was just like, he was just the face. And like Stalin, but he was also like Stalin giant piece was of shit. so yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. that's not to say that Hitler wasn't a piece of shit because he hundred percent was. Um, but I think Stalin doesn't really get as much credit as he for being a piece of shit as he probably deserves. But maybe that's because, good because it's like Hitler, right? So Hitler was the Holocaust. Hitler was the genocide. And like because they covered this up, they lied about this for yep. like so long. Um, and and other things like who like who really knows how many people died during all during any of it, and not just in the Ukraine. Like this was just the Ukrainians that this affected. So yeah, so sources like the Encyclopedia Britannica say that there was no physical basis for famine in the Ukraine, and that the Soviet authorities set quotas for the Ukraine at exceedingly high levels. So basically, they're coming in and saying like the famine never really happened. Um, the authorities just are saying that they requested more than they were supposed to. But to like combat that, the Soviet archive data suggests that the grain harvest was not large enough as been assumed and then another ukrainian historian who lived through the famine himself described it as a year of drought coinciding with the chaotic agricultural conditions which is just basically like they were acting like it was just a natural disaster like that the grains weren't like harvested because the like it just didn't grow right and it was like some people believe that if the industrialization hadn't been had been abandoned, the famine could have been prevented or at least significantly alleviated, which I actually agree with. Like, if they hadn't have put all of their money and time and aspects into developing like their factories, they probably would have like realized, oh shit, hey, um, we're not making enough grain, and this might have a problem. See, he's against on. capitalism because he wants to have all the money. <sighs> See, I, I guess that's sort of like 
I mean, but isn't wasn't isn't that everybody's sort of mindset? Like, you know, I was poor and now I don't want to be poor ever again. Ever again. So I'll do whatever it takes, including killing millions of people. And then I'll make sure that like no one can fucking take it away from me because yeah. that's what he did. Yeah. Like, so money's great is what we're learning. Right now. Money's <laughs> more important than people. Money, obviously. Yes, money. Yeah. There isn't a single time in history where you can go back and show me that money was not more important than him human people. life. Yeah. Like, especially now, money is way more important. Oh, than it's people. it's way more. I think people are a lot more aware of it now. Actually, yeah. you know what? That's that's probably insulting to say because people were probably super fucking aware of it back in when they were making the pyramids. Oh yeah. And like sl- when slavery, slavery. Yeah. Like, Money's more important than people. Oh, human life doesn't matter. Yeah. So my does. money sucks, but then also is great. So, you know, it's very conflicting. Money doesn't matter if you have enough money. of it. Yeah. Money it's, stops mattering when you have enough of it, but yeah. it's the enough of it that a lot of people is different for every enough. single yeah. different for every single person. There are some that believe that if the industrialization had been abandoned, the famine could have been prevented or at least significantly alleviated. I said that grain supplies would have been sufficient to sustain everyone if they had been properly distributed. Uh, but most people died to t- to terror starvation, uh, not poor harvest or routine administrative bungling. So. People are basically like, no, it, it could have been prevented and therefore it's not a genocide because it wasn't a targeted act. Mm-hmm. And then you have other people come in and be like, well, when you factor in the fact that he was like deporting some people, but then wasn't allowed for people to, to actually move to unfamine mm-hmm. uh, afflicted areas. He had the internment camps and the shootings. There is evidence that Stalin was using starvation as a weapon in his war against peasantry. And scholars stress that the actions of the Soviet leadership during 1931 to 1932 should be considered genocidal. So basically these were the things that so these are the actions that were taken during the time that people are saying like no these this was genocidal so they exported 1.8 million tons of grain uh to another to other countries which was enough to feed more than 5 million people for one year so they would have saved 5 million people and essentially possibly no one would have died if they didn't export the 1.1.8 million tons they prevented migration from famine-afflicted areas, which estimated that 150,000 people died from uh, not being able to leave the area. Uh, Stalin and his government made absolutely no effort to secure grain efforts from other countries, well, which they estimate 1.5 million people died from. And two countries, one of which was Canada, did try to send grains, and I believe, and I could be wrong about this, that they actually said no, and they turned they turn it turned away, away or they, they sent it back. Um, and then the social attitude uh, was basically that those starving to death were counter-revolutionaries. And that was just the propaganda that the Stalin government had like put in, that these people uh, deserved to die because they were poor. And so they, they changed the narrative so that people could like, get away with killing other people. So not only did like the famine kill millions, but then like people were also killing each other 
And it just really took place in a backdrop of persecution, mass execution, and an incarceration clearly aimed at undermining Ukrainians as a national group. And then at the same time, you still have scholars that argue that Stalin's actions were more crime against humanity rather than a genocide. And it's just sort of like, you can't, it's hard to go back and argue in one way or another because there are the documents are lies or you have people that say that the documents that are saying one thing are lies and that these are another currently right now the holodomor is being recognized by ukraine uh it took them a really long time for even ukraine to acknowledge it as a genocide and 15 other countries including canada have recognized it as a genocide of the ukrainian people that was carried out by the soviet government six countries uh, only recognized it as a criminal act of the Stalinist regime. So in November 2003, at the United Nations, 25 countries signed a joint statement on the 70th anniversary of the Holodomor. And I'm just going to read this for you. In the former Soviet Union, millions of men, women, and children fell victims to the cruel actions and policies of the totalitarian regime. The Great Famine of 1932 to 1933 in Ukraine took from 7 to 10 million innocent lives and became a national tragedy for the Ukrainian people. In this regard, we note activities and observance of the 70th anniversary of this famine, in particular organized by the government of Ukraine. Honoring the 70th anniversary of the Ukrainian tragedy, we also commemorate the memory of millions of Russians, Kazakhs, and representatives of other nationalities who died of starvation in the Volga River region, Northern Caucasus, Kakistan, and other parts of the former Soviet Union as a result of the Civil War and forced collectivization, leaving deep scars in the consciousness of future generations. And that, my dear, is the Holodomor. A nice history lesson. The famine genocide of 1932 to 1933. It's funny because we both did famines, but there also were a ton of parallels to what I'm going to say. But also, for some reason, we just both decided to hit the two countries that are known for, you know, hacking and murdering anyone who speaks out against them. So hopefully we aren't dead by next a lot week. Of, a lot of dictators going on over there. <laughs> famines are obviously great and what's also great is when you type in the famine names and then they show you pictures of the people who are starving to death that's not terrifying or yeah. awful at all when you look at them i super enjoyed the cannibal photos mm-hmm. that was great yeah that's... but i appreciate i appreciate that they have those photos because i'd rather not not have them yeah you know what i mean well i know for mine there actually aren't that many photos because i'm going to cover the North Korean famine, which no one knows about. Because whenever I talk about it, everyone looks at me and is like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, it happened in the 90s. Like, we were alive during the time this happened. It's like, no one... See, I sort of know that a famine happened only because I know that North Korea puts on a really big front that everything's fine. Yes. Or that it's portrayed that everything's fine and there was like this whole thing about how they were like fake stocking their grocery stores um but i would have said that north korea is always in a famine i would yeah. have said that it and was still it in is one. it's still in one but, day, but like the north korean famine which is also called the choson kigun also known as the arduous march konani <laughs> henguk or the march of suffering and it occurred between 1994 and 1998, 
which is crazy because you know i was in elementary school during this time and the fact that like this was all going on and i had a sort of an idea of it because like being korean we sort of hear about it but not really but that's kind of like the whole idea of a secretive country they're not gonna fucking tell you anything but anyways um it was rooted in the korean war which was obviously when like north and south korea got into a giant fight about like who owns the country and they were for a long time in war but just like a ceasefire but what happened was that like the north korean farmland is not ideal for farming because the weather is super bad for it and that's because only like six months out of the year it's completely frosted over and so you have millions of people to feed annually at one crop a year and you don't even have that much land because it's not like very nutritious soil mm-hmm. so it's 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 already a shitty situation for farming so to help with that they aligned with the soviet union all these are that connection which provided them aid until the late 1980s until at that point the ussr was like really trying to rebuild so they're like demanding repayment and they couldn't do it and in december of 1991 the ussr fell and at that point all the aid that they were sending north korea stopped so china ended up having to provide aid and trade until 1993 when they first when they they faced their own grain shortfalls and they had to cut off north korea as well because of it so um north korean laws and their background on strictly strictly controlled food rations um were kind of fucked up because it was on political power and as like there's no wealth system because everyone's poor yeah so it is political power and so if you're really rich or really powerful you're gonna get way more food rations than obviously like a peasant on the street or even children because yeah they they did the same thing yeah in in the hollow and demarth and it's because of a philosophy that kim Sung started which is called chuche which you should never look up on instagram because it's been taken over by the (laughs) alt-right by the way (laughs) and it's the master of revolution and reconstruction in one's own country this means holding fast to an independent position rejecting dependence on others using one's brain believing in one's own strength displaying revolutionary spirit of self-reliance and thus solving one owns problem by oneself on one's own responsibility under all circumstances and that sounds like you know you're supposed to be self-reliant and you know like kind of a cowboy attitude but you can't really do it in a country where there barely is any food to feed any the entire country yeah. to begin with you know like, it's such a it's such a like a weird mentality to have of like you know be super self-reliant you can't work with anybody else like and again not to pull fucking things but that's what trump did like yeah. his thing was very like america first we're gonna like isolate america and that's and- what they've proven that this doesn't work well i mean north korea was already like shot in the fucking leg one leg was cut off his hand was already mangled like maybe he had three working fingers on his other hand and then he was like hey you know what i'm gonna go on my own and i'm just gonna figure this shit out exactly and i can't imagine why it went so bad so then the north korean government basically expected the people to feed themselves and assisted by distributing chemical fertilizer for the land so that you know they can actually grow their own 
like supplies and food. The mm. problem being that only 20% of North Korean mountainous territory is arable land, which means farming capable. Because I was going to ask, like, what kind, what is the agricultural lifestyle like it's, in North Korea? Like, did the, did the lands provide? No, it's very, and on top of having really shitty weather where it's like this, like Canada, where it's almost always cold, then it's also like really shitty soil to begin with too. So you have to mm-hmm. use chemical fertilizer to grow things. Did so their cancer go up? We don't know. <laughs> and, and if you have cancer in North Korea, Korea, you're probably going to die from starvation before the cancer. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. It's, it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Experts say it's unrealistic to try to be self-sufficient in food because of this reason. Yeah. They weren't, as they couldn't possibly be a self-sufficient country. They really had to go into trade and use what they had. I don't know what supplies that they're really well known for, but I see that's the thing. It's sort of like, what do you, what do you have to what do you have to, to give offer to someone trade. else so that you can get something? But you're also trying to say I'm an independent country and I don't need anyone's help, which is like the saying of like, you yeah. know, yeah. Well, I mean, you do, you do, because you can't yeah. feel like your fucking people. So, but the, when the USSR collapsed, so did their access and allied to cheap fuel, which ruined our agricultural, you know, hub. Um, the fertilizer production halted, so our farm yields fell. Then the government started pushing propaganda, which was, let's eat only two meals a day. That way, you know, it's kind of like, just persevere and hey, listen, I could totally suck it up, right? Then in 19, like, as of this wasn't bad enough, between 1995 and 1996, El Nino-like climate change, which I wrote down because... I didn't remember it. It's when the surface water temperatures warm up and causes strong winds and boosts more active hurricanes and more active storm season. So basically, they were just pelted with rain. They were like just, a lot. They were just dying in rain. But and worse. Then- it gets worse. And it's like it came in a wide, widespread flooding, destroying 15% of the already minimal farmland. On top of that... All of their grain reserved was destroyed, which was 1.5 million tons of grains. Hey, and I already know that that would feed 5 million people for a year. And that was all (laughs) destroyed, which meant that they'd suck it up even more. So then the government said that farmers had to reduce the amount of grains farmers were all to keep, which obviously led to farmers being like, fuck you, and then hiding their own crop so that they didn't have to struggle. And then I bet you they were releasing propaganda saying, hey, all of these people are hiding their grains. Uh, Maybe, we don't know because, just, oh you, know, you know, like that's like the whole thing about a secretive country. We don't really know what's yeah. going on a lot of the time. So and then because the farmers were hiding the crops that were already cut, there was even less available to the public. So the lack of food in North Korea finally made North Korea ask for international help, which countries were happy to help with. But unfortunately, as we all know, when you give a country like that a ton of food, they're just gonna distribute it to people they wanna distribute it to. So kind of like, fuck you, everyone in the lower class, poverty, whatever, screw you, millions of people, but everyone in the military, everyone who is rich or his own family or his personal circle people, they'll be fine. 
Yeah. So it's like someone gave me a Big Mac combo, but I'm going to tell you that all I got was this fry. Yeah. And then I'm going to give you the salt. One salt from the fry. And I'm going to be like, hey, you know what? You're going to have to take this one piece of salt, split that in two. Those are your two meals for the day. Exactly. But me and my buddies over here, we're going to mow down on not only all of these french fries, but also the burger that you don't know that we have. But it's crazy because later on, because like, I've watched so many like YouTube interviews from North Koreans, because that's the only way you can really learn about the country. Yeah. Like All the media propaganda they give you isn't, it's going to be you know more skewed towards what they want you to hear yeah so they said that even like some of the top politicians and military officials were starving as well because even with all that he's still hoarding food mm-hmm. you know the dictator yeah. is so the regime refused to pursue policies that have allowed food imports and distribution without discrimination to all regions of the country so i have how much food they're allowed to have per day and it's sad so oh my gosh privileged industrial workers got 900 grams a day ordinary workers got 700 grams a day retired citizens got 300 grams a day and children aged between two and four got 200 grams a day but if that wasn't bad enough that was in the 80s when that was distributed in 1987 that was reduced by 10 in 1992 that was reduced another 10%. Wow. In 1994, it was reduced to 470 to 420 grams a day. Max? And then, yes. And then by 1997, most people got 128 grams of grains a day. Now, did they still have the separated breakdown? Or was it eventually led into where everybody just got 120? Doesn't say. Ooh, I looked at so many articles, and from what I understand, like from watching the YouTube videos, um, it was pretty much distributed like to families mm-hmm. in a small bulk. But like in the military, I noticed one girl who had escaped from North Korea had said that she got um, like a spoonful of rice per day. I just so even like, one twenty, uh, it sounded like one twenty eight is still an idealistic idea of that's like a pretty high number I mean, and, it's, and it's not 128 calories no. it's 128 grams of food the thing that i found really interesting was that the, there was a, a very small gap between the preferential workers and then just basic workers yes like 200 grams is not that much but it's enough to make you feel like you're a little special and then but it's a lot because that's like 20 percent more and it also depends. I would imagine it strongly depended on like what you were burning in a day, like what you were doing for work and you were burning in calories. But fuck, man, I really feel like they could have like dropped down the 700 down to like 500. Hear me out. And really brought that number up for those kids because I feel real bad for the kids. Well, I actually have all the information about how depressing it was oh, for the kids too which there was a word i didn't write down unfortunately but there's a word for orphan children 
of people whose families starved to death and ended up on the streets. And now no one's going to take these kids in because they barely can survive, take care of themselves. How are they going to take and this? And they're like, fucking, they're old? our age now. Yep. These and poor little babies. All the statistics for like how many people are still alive at this point. Like it's a really depressing number of how many people died during this time. So there was a quote by a guy named Jordan Weissman from The Atlantic who put it very shortly. Farmers stole their own crops. Elites stole the aid, and impoverished Koreans starved, which is pretty good logo for like exactly what happened. I that's exactly what happens in every famine. That's exactly what happened yeah. there. The people stole their own crops because the government stole it from them. Oh my God. And even with the military prioritized over everyone else, they were still expected to find their own ways to grow food and obtain it abroad because what they were given from the government was that not enough food Mm -hmm. and ordinary soldiers were often hungry and their families did not receive any preferential treatment so then not only did you lose a person who can help you find food because he's serving that military the government's not going to help you for that because fuck you right yeah but women were responsible for obtaining food water and fuel for families and extended families So 89% of the workforce were women because of it. Pregnant and nursing women were shit out of luck with maternal mortality rates at 41 per 1,000. The World Health Organization reported death rates for children at 93 out of 1,000 and infants at 23 out of 1,000. As food lessened, the government stopped providing any provisions and prioritizing military who barely had any provisions themselves. Hundreds of thousands of North Koreans traveled to China despite the fact that there was a travel ban and they, they knew that if they move over to China, they could be brought back and killed by the government or China would kill them. Or But it was still better than starving to death on the street. I mean, I guess it's the same thing now like with any refugee any refugee anywhere like you can either stay where you are and die or you can try running away somewhere else and die or get sent back to die like yeah so then you try you do everything you can to survive no matter how illegal because you don't think to yourself this is illegal you think to yourself i need to do this because it shouldn't be so i can survive it shouldn't be illegal but anyways anyways so a relief worker visiting in 1997 noticed that people were eating watery gruel when they could find food. And sometimes that watery gruel was literally just water with grass that was boiled down because they literally had nothing. Like, you'd think, like, rats. They had already eaten all the rats and every other thing they could get their hands on at this point. Bugs. They just had... They, they barely had anything. There so was, they were just eating grass water? Yeah. Sometimes grass water. Sometimes they'll get, like, a little bit of provisions, like rice grain. And they'll, like, boil that in a lot of water, like, maybe a cup for, like, seven cups of water so that you feel like you get more full when you're drinking something. Mm -hmm. And so he had noticed, or she didn't say, that there was discolored hair, wasted bodies, and swollen eyes common among children, which is a sign of starvation, which was probably great for him to see. Eventually, international food aid made it... made it to the people, which alleviated the famine. North Korea is reliant on international food to this day as the country is continuously hit with natural disasters because they're kind of in an area of like 
constant like floodings and you know like with global warming of course there's like shittier weather as well so they're gonna have colder winters and it's gonna destroy more crops and all that great stuff why is there north korea and south korea like why can't it just like why will he not just give up and just be like let's just go back to being korea no because he knows that he can't do that first of all he would be fucking murdered for all the awful things that he's done well i mean murder him what what's next (laughs) that's it though like he controls is it just that family is it just that family? it is the king yeah because this whole dictatorship is pretty recent it's like in the the 1900s it's not like a old in the years like korea used to be one whole korea Mm -hmm. i don't have like a big back history of korea which is kind of sad but i mean it's not like we learned it in school but yeah like well, why would you? It was America. Yeah, but even in America, I learned some things, but we still didn't learn about this stuff, and I only took interest in it because I'm Korean. But yeah, like, it's just, it's a new thing, and that's why North Korea seems like it's been stopped in, like, 1950s. Is that when the Kim family came into power? Was I think 1950s? it was during the 50s. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was. I mean, I always find it so interesting when one family gets in there and then, like, sort of takes control and takes power, and then everyone's like, well, what it's are you supposed actually, to do? Like, so, kill them off? And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what you do. I that's remember, what they've done. I remember exactly the reason why North Korea is um, still around. It's actually because North, like, South Korea is a big partner with the U.S. Like, you know, they help each other out. They're, like, buddies, right? But... Korea, North Korea actually borders China, and China isn't really buddies with like America. So China uses North Korea as a buffer because they don't want any of the South Korean and U.S. Army military on their border. With North Korea there, there's okay. no way for it to be in. So that's like a whole po- political reason as to why North Korea is still there. So China's up here holding on to their little nugget. Yeah, and then and then. then- South or and then you the U.S. is way over here, and they're like, "Hey, other little nugget, bottom nugget, we like you." Yeah, and we we really want to help you out. And during the Korean War, that's what the U.S. did. The U.S. did come in to help South Korea. Was the Korean War just? It was between the North and and South Korea. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then that's why there was a big like line and yeah. So. That's the reason why North Korea has never, no one's really taken it over or anything because that's another problem. What do you do with all these displaced millions of civilians who don't really fit in anymore because they're kind of stuck like in a certain way from like all this like Yeah, but I mean, if brain. you, at any point, you'll always have that. Yes. So it's like, you're just going to have to fucking rip that bandaid off so that your future generations in 20 years from now. I think they did that in the Middle East and it didn't, it made it worse. And that was the problem there, too, because they did try to do that. Well, and that's the big thing, right? Like, cause you have to wait a while. And yeah. no one wants to wait those 16 years. And no. you, it's also, you can't fuck up in those 16 years. And, I like, I'm too young to know this, 
But it's like, it just doesn't really seem like the Middle East has ever really had its shit together. A lot of the South Koreans, though, nowadays, like back in the day, obviously, they've always wanted reunification. Like very recently, they had about 100 people from each side go be able to see their families, which is really depressing. Because then you see like this mom who was fortunate enough to be in South Korea during the, like, you know, when that divide yeah, happened, it was divide. out of nowhere. So you hear stories about a dad who had just happened to cross that border to buy a bike for his kid. And when he goes back to the border, look, you're shell luck. Now you can't go back home and see your kids. Mm-hmm. So they, like, there was like this whole thing of separation that happened. And the older generation obviously wants to see the unification, but there are a lot of younger people who don't care because South they, Korea has become a it. very shallow country. And I'm not saying South Korea isn't great. I love South Korea, but they are more about like you know, um, artificial things, you know, well, looking good, good, like being super obsessed with being less than 50 pounds as a woman, Definitely but also like, like never going out in the sun because being pale, it's more about like, you don't want to age. Yeah. So in Korea, I think it's like a ridiculous amount, like 80 to, 80 to 90 people, 90% of people in South Korea have had a plastic surgery done on them. At some point. It's like the, an obsession with immortality. Yes. Kind of. Living forever. Looking young forever. And like because of that. And I, you guys do. Yeah. But I mean this is also obviously speculation. But I feel like because of that. It would be such a big burden for a country that's that different. To have these people come in and kind of show them like what the real world's like. Like what's been happening. Because it's easier to be oblivious. Like we don't talk about. You, the news doesn't come online every day. And it's like. Hey, people in fucking Africa are dying millions a day from starvation, or not millions a day, but millions at a time from starvation, from genocide. You don't want to hear it. You know, no, you want to live in your like your bubble of happiness. And yeah, not be I like my I like my bubble of happiness. Yeah. I like to live here. Um, but anyways, I'll keep going. <laughs> so in North Korea, the famine had a state-sanctioned name, a phrase that translates to the arduous march which invokes the memory of Kim Il-sung, which is Kim Jong-il's dad, and Kim Jong-un's the current leader, but his dad's his grandfather. Okay, yes, his yes. grandfather. Invoked the memory of Kim Il-sung's time as a commander of a small group of anti-Japanese guerrilla fighters. Because, you know, back in the day, Japan and Korea, not you know, they did not get along, that's for sure. <laughs> who, who was Japan getting along with, period? But it was... Fighting against thousands of enemies in 20 degrees below zero, braving through a heavy snowfall and starvation, the red flag fluttering in the front of the ranks. The word famine and hunger were banned as they believed it implied a government failure, which is why the North Korean government never said there was a famine or there was even any hunger. They just say that they don't really mention this at all like this is all information that i had to like dig for and obviously wikipedia was great but then going through a couple of articles no one really talks about it because it's really hard to find real facts like real hard there's the death rate like from what they believe between how many people died is such a large gap because they have no idea the government continues to blame catastrophe and the ongoing food problem on external causes so it wasn't their fault that people went hungry it was everyone else's fault yeah it was everybody else even though they should have asked for help they should have asked for international aid and south korea was one of the largest suppliers of international aid would have helped but ukraine was probably looking at north korea like bro 
Yeah. Didn't you learn from us 50 years ago? They don't <laughs> learn history there. Yeah, Only the history not. that they decide to talk about. They don't care about the Ukrainians. Yeah. It's impossible to to estimate the death toll because of how secret the country is and because of the fact that when you go visit and they do the state-sanctioned tours, which I fucking hate people who do it, because I understand people are like, oh, well, we're trying to help the North Korean economy to help people who are starving. That money doesn't go to them, you fucking assholes. And I, I can't. Like, I just, I hate it. I hate people who visit that country so much because it's like you're just giving more money to this fucking dictator who's going around you know, trying to act like he's better than everyone else as his entire country is going hungry, but somehow that's okay. And a dog moved somewhere on this floor and I've never seen it. Oh, as I stopped rambling, he stopped barking. Um, it's impossible to estimate the death toll. Experts estimate between the high hundreds to thousands, oh wait, hundreds, high hundreds of thousands to millions, which is 5% of the population. Like 5% of the total population was a million, which is wow. 20 million people in the whole country. Wow. Wikipedia says it was anywhere between 240,000 people to 3 million. And if wow. it was 3 million, but who knows? Because it's not like they kept a death count. I don't they even, probably don't take a life count. I don't like, even know if like the bodies were stacked up. Like, you know, in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, they just like just scooted along with the dead bodies and piled them on and just, I don't know. Well, that was the big thing, right? Because a lot of records that are per, that are, that these are taken from are from hospital records yeah well if you didn't die in a hospital then you don't fucking know if you didn't die in the hospital or if you weren't born in a hospital they're not gonna have a record of your life yeah so it's it is shocking it is shocking to see the trucks and the wheelbarrow like the trucks filled with with bodies that they just picked up off the street with you, you got you had like some pictures. There's no pictures of this. There's a picture of like oh, a so starving upset. child in someone's arm, but that's like it. Cause you're not allowed to take pictures there. You'll get you'll die. Like as we've seen in recent news, you go to North Korea, you do literally anything that they see as illegal or offense to the country, they will kill you or imprison you forever. And labor. Yep. Labor prisoning. Uh huh. Labor. Hard hard work. work. Mm-hmm. And it's not hard work where you just spent nine hours in some shitty McDonald's drive-through. We're talking about like lifting stones and like I don't even know what they like, do. Like hammering a stone or chopping down their grain or like man- like hard manual labor that nobody wants to do because it's a fucking prison sentence in the worst place on earth. Can we say that? Like, where would you say is like the worst place on earth? Because it totally sounds like North Korea is one of the worst places on earth. You want I want to say that, but at the same time, I also don't want to be accidentally or not accidentally, but murdered by one of his secret police because he definitely well, killed his brother that way. I mean, I'm sure it's beautiful. I'm sure it's beautiful, but in terms of like living conditions, I oh, mean, yeah. it's probably I mean, awful. If and, you, <sighs> yeah, and from every North Korean escapee that talks about it, because there's a couple of interviews of people who do escape and talk about like what they escaped. There was this girl who watched her mom get raped and took it so that she could escape. There are, oh my God, I can't. It's just, there's so many like awful stories. There's this guy who was like limbless who was doing an uh, interview with this YouTube um, channel called Asian Boss. And he said that he had like jumped onto a train and fell off and the train tracks ran over him. And when he went to the hospital and was taken there, 
they amputated him with no anesthesia, just go for it. And oh, his mom yeah. had to beg for them to even do anything. Fortunately, he didn't gain green and he didn't die, but I mean, it didn't sound great. And then a lot of the girls talked about like how they'd watched their neighbors starve to death. Lots of people starving to death on the streets. Lots of children wandering around looking for any food, begging. But if you beg towards people who are already starving, it's really hard for, you know. Oh my God, it's just. Yeah. So the UN estimates that two in five North Koreans lack sufficient food and access to basic health care. 70% relies on international aid, which is current. This is now. This is the 90s when spam was going on. So it's lack of sufficient food, not starvation. So I don't know if that's on there on purpose because they also don't want to be killed by North Koreans. I mean, Um, it's like if... yeah, if you have trigger words, if North Korea has trigger words and you're just like, you can't use these, like, obviously people are going to be like... Can use hunger or yeah. famine. They're, they're not dying to starvation. They are. They're, they're dying because they don't have Lack access to food. Lack of sufficient food. Lack of sufficient food. How, like, fucking, like, it's British just, and European is that? What are they called? Buzzwords? Yeah. It's like, they're the, they're the buzzwords. They're like... Hey, we're not. We're gonna pussyfoot around what we're actually talking about because we can't say what we're actually gonna talk about. But people are still fucking dying because they don't have food. Yep. And the U.S., um, South Korea, China, and the U.S. were the most notable international communities that provided food aid. But the U.S. was criticized for using this food aid as a bargaining chip to negotiate deals with North Korea because they yep. were trying to denuclearize. They've been doing this since like Bush era, right? And they're trying to get North Korea to not be a giant dickhole, but then they don't realize that, like, you're playing with a guy who's not starving himself, and his people are the ones who are starving. So it's like a whole... I understand, like, where this comes from, but at the same time, it's like, you, you don't... like The people who get affected are the people that we should be trying to save, and we can't because we have no access to these people. Because, you know, when you go to those stupid government, you know whatever government ordained like tours you don't see starving farmland people because you don't go out there yeah they don't want you to see it in 2002 north korea requested that food supplies no longer be delivered and in the mid-2000s reported imminent danger of famine conditions again and in 2012 the world food program said they would send food aid as as soon as possible processing it by a local processor that was being would be delivered directly to the citizens because of the last time of what happened and so basically they're throwing in a couple more middlemen yes some scholars say that the government exaggerated the food shortages so that they can receive more food in preparation of kim in song's 100th birthday he's dead by the way but his 100th birthday celebration in 2012 so that they think that some people speculate that because they wanted more food for that, they asked for food aid. Like, why, of course they fucking lied to get more food. Who wouldn't? Would you not lie to get more food if you were starving? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's just a person as a citizen. This little asshole up there that was sitting on top of his mountain of candy was probably like, yeah, 
I'm going to have all of this more fucking food. candy. And it's the same with money, right? Yeah. Like if you have millions of dollars, you're still going to ask for more money. Yeah. Food is a bigger, more important version of money. Yeah. You know? Something you actually need to survive. He was probably sitting on so much food that it was molding. I don't think it ever went mold. Well, there probably was like moldy <laughs> food. Let's be for reals. We don't know. Right? I like Sometimes just... I imagine like, uh, you know, like a ducktail sort of like Scrooge McDuck bolt yeah. of like grains that he swims in and like Coca-Cola. But yeah, that doesn't, that's not... We he probably like know. had in his closet and then you would open it up and like a gold glow would like shine on him. Yeah. And he would then just Every like, go morning. swimming through the rice like some dragon in his gold coins. It's caviar <laughs> actually it's because caviar. you don't fucking, yeah. So in 2011, Jimmy <laughs> Carter, an ex-president, um, reported that a third of the children were malnourished and the food intake was reduced from 1,400 700 calories a day because you needed that idea of calories there's the calorie count for you 700 calories a day that's not even enough for a child never mind a full-grown person like right now in our average lifestyle is 200 it's 2,000 calories a day so they were already starting at almost 1400 yeah and then now went down to 700 which is where you're crazy just yeah that's almost a third North Koreans who escaped report starvation has returned to the country and children are all severely stunted due to malnutrition. They're a couple of inches shorter than their South Korean counterparts because of the malnutrition. Makes sense. Um, Makes sense because the, the mom, right? Oh my fucking God. The genetic testing that, like the, the, the DNA genetic testing that I would be doing on the generations in North Korea from before and after the famine would be crazy because you know the moms, the moms were not getting enough nutrients and they were just fucking like fucking up their DNA of their babies in that belly. Like So the Japanese press claims that since the death of Kim Jong il in December two thousand eleven, around ten to twenty thousand people have died of starvation in the Huanghe region. They didn't know, I don't, I'm not really sure where the special place comes from. I can't read Japanese and no one translated the articles and reading translated so, articles. So, okay, awful. so since his death, so in the last seven Beca- years, because saying- Because of, yeah, that 10 to 10, 20,000 people died in a certain region from starvation. And that would make sense because when you have a change of regime, the new dictator would try to change things up a little bit and he's decided that he wants to get as big as possible to emulate his grandfather who looked certain like that way that's the reason why he's that fat it's 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 to it's to be like hey i'm that fat like i want to be that as big and loved as my grandfather was that kid has grown up like that kid grew up in a family where like his grandfather was God. Yeah. So and I then his father was God. And then his father was God. So I completely understand how he's probably like, I'm going to be better than my grandfather. Yeah. And I'm going to be bigger and better. Um, and the, the, the fucking kid, his kids will, will do the, the same thing too. Uh, that is... And then, you know, and then one of his kids will murder his other kid because that's what he did. He killed his brother. So, you know, a survey in 2017 reports that skewed demographics from the famine that we're not allowed to say famine from the lacking of food or whatever that was um skewed the demographic resulting from it women aged from 20 to 24 
made up only 4% of the population. Holy shit. While men between the ages of 20 and 24 made up only 2.5% of the population. Which means women were able to take less calories than the men, which makes sense because that's the how men were probably built. working a lot harder. Yeah, and they, wow. were, and they were also forced more into like hard labor in comparison. Yeah. Although women still had to do forced labor. And that's, that's so the North Korean famine, which is... I mean, people are still dying. People keep people dying. People are still dying. People keep dying. People are always going to die, no matter what country you live in, and standards. But usually not from starvation, but I'm pretty sure it's people in America dying from starvation. Oh, for sure. Some oh, yeah. self-inflicted, unfortunately, and some not from starvation. It would actually choice. be really interesting to know how many people die. Of starvation. Of starvation. We'll talk about that in our next episode. We'll- in a future episode. episode but yeah it's like crazy because whenever i talk about this no one knows about it and i've looked up like other like there's a lot of youtube videos who will sort of mention it but i feel like it might be a touchy subject especially with north korea now becoming a big um player in the cyber war yeah as well and they don't want you to say anything negative about them which is not that's the whole idea of freedom of press to be able to say these things and we're fortunate that we are allowed to say these things but obviously there's always repercussions i mean freedom of press in canada is doesn't necessarily grant you freedom of press somewhere like no. while we're here but i mean yeah like about in our country there's no, either there's no such thing as yeah as true freedom which is why i didn't want to like there should be i didn't really want to like talk too much about like what was going on with the government because obviously we don't know but it was more focused on like people who are dying and how much it does suck for them. But yeah, so it turns out famine is the one of the more depressing things to talk about. But yeah, try not to die before our next episode. And we'll hopefully see you next time. Bye!